Hey folks, this is Stephen Altrogi. I'm here with Dave Harvey for the Am I Called podcast. Today we're doing another calling question in which I ask Dave a question related to pastoral calling or pastoral ministry, and Dave answers the question. Uh, but perhaps before we should dive in, Dave, you don't sound your normal self today. Uh, what, what's going on? Have, what's, what's going on with the lungs? I've got something brewing in my chest and. I'm not quite sure what it is, but it's uh, it kept me up last night, and it's uh, it's dogging me today. Your voice sounds deep and sonorous. Perhaps you should take up a career in audio book recording. I'll consider that as soon as we're done with this question. <laughs> All right, so Dave, the question is, um, you have been preaching for 30 years now, and I would imagine that... Uh, Different things have changed in the way you preach and how you prepare, and yes, uh, just the, uh, preaching. I'm sure your preaching has evolved over the last thirty years. How has your preaching changed? Uh, well, you know, how, how hasn't it changed would be a, probably a, sh- a shorter list. Um, I, th- I think that the the belief that more time means greater impact. Uh, I think that belief, that that uh, idea, has toppled in my mind. I I started I started out the whole preaching task at uh, at preaching for sixty minutes. I think is when I first started preaching regularly back in nineteen eighty eight, nineteen ninety nine, nineteen eighty nine. Um, you know, one of the ironies that's inflicted upon the church is that it's newer pastors that preach the longest, and that was certainly the case for me. Um, you know, it's like those that with the least amount to say take the longest to say it, and uh, so I, I, I was all there. That was totally me. Um, you know, why say in thirty minutes what you could take sixty to say? So I, I don't think I understood yet that a good, really a good shorter sermon t- doesn't really take any less time to prepare, but it's time that's used differently in the preparation process. So, you know, when you're aiming for a shorter period of time, I'm aiming for, for 40 minutes these days, and that may even be stripped down eventually to 30. But, uh, you know, I'm aiming to squeeze uh, simplicity out of complexity and just hammer down ideas and, you know, what, I'm, what I want to say and what I'm studying down to its essence and then try to find a... a a helpful way to say it, a manageable way to say it, a, a crisp way to say it. So I think that's one thing certainly is my, this whole issue of how long I preach. And I think that's a, that's a common one. I guess uh, your gospel centeredness would be probably the most obvious one. Um, I think I passed through different phases when it came to gospel centeredness, I think there was kind of a first phase where I was uh, coming alive to the idea that the the gospel is for believers as well as unbelievers, and that it's the organizing center for all of theology and all of preaching. And so the result of that was that the word gospel would find its way into more and more of my messages. You know, uh, the, you know the funny thing about that is I wasn't necessarily holding forth the the beauty of Christ or unpacking the substitutionary atonement of Christ. I would just import the word gospel, you know, to kind of satisfy the gospel quotient for that, that message. 
But I think over time that gave way to another phase I moved into, which was moving more from the word gospel to the substance of the gospel. So rather than using the word gospel, beginning to unpack some aspect of the gospel and importing uh, that into the message, uh, a, a line or a thought that describes and exalts in the gospel rather than just saying the word gospel, which is what I was doing prior to. Actually, I had a, uh, I had a, a discussion with a, a guy in the church once, he was a, lay, a layman, who made a very astute observation to me. He, he said, you know, I hear you reference the gospel a lot, but I think I would be helped more if I, I could hear you exchange that word gospel for talking about what you mean by the gospel. And and I think behind that he was saying, holding forth a vision of what what really that gospel is and what it represents rather than just using that that moniker, that, that gospel word. So rather like rather than, you know, here at our church we are gospel centered, um, I, I started thinking about how to say that. Like he, here at our church we believe God's amazing love is seen in the suffering and death and resurrection of his son Jesus and we exalt in it. So it's it's basically just saying gospel but unpacking it a little bit more. And so that was kind of the next phase. And then I think it moved into the phase of where I am now where that's <clears throat> about gospel application and that's just making connections on how different facets of the gospel complex, how that speaks to the fallen world. So, you know, what does God's declaration of not guilty say to my my past or my my shame or or my condemnation or you know, how how does the shedding of Christ's blood speak to the teenager who's cutting themselves or to the Catholic who thinks they're just going to be saved by their good works. So, so this this last phase kind of a Addresses how does the gospel speak to the specific complexities of of a fallen world, and there may be other phases. I assume there are because we're never just we should never just be remaining where we are in our gospel understanding, but deepening it. So I think that was a uh, an important one, and probably the only other one that, c- that comes to mind is that is how I would use illustrations. Um. And, and particularly self-references and illustrations. Um, I, and I, I eventually began to realize through a lot of painful and at times shameful self-references that the pulpit is really not given to me as a place to portray my strengths, but as a place to portray my weaknesses. So, um, and that's much different than where I started. I mean, where I, early in my ministry, I would use illustrations or references that often made me look good or made me look smart or just way, use them in ways that my stock might rise in the minds of those that are listening to me. And, uh, you know, not only did that display what I think is incredible immaturity on my part, but it, all, it actually created a gap also between me and the folks, a kind of clergy, laity gap, um, because people just couldn't relate to somebody who appeared to be so pulled together. Um, but I wasn't pulled together. I was just offering a more sanitized version of myself. And so now I, I, I'm trying to be way more intentional at, at boasting in my weaknesses, to use the term that Paul uses, where um, my self-references, if 
if I do use them in a message, I'll, they might be more acknowledging a struggle or referencing some form of my own sinfulness or talking about a weakness or speaking honestly about maybe a conflict that Kim and I had. Uh, I, I, but I guess it all goes to how I'm seeing illustrations like that. I'm seeing illustrations now like that as a place where I can establish common ground and, and, and talk about how the gospel works for me in the middle of my struggle or weakness or sin. And, uh, and then I, I would hope that as a pastor who's trying to build a local church that that would also maybe model the kind of humility that that leads to genuine community. I think we all we all want that. But uh, you know, I I had to get over the lie. There's a lie that that by doing that in a message, that somehow that would undermine my credibility with the people rather than build my credibility with the people. And I think what what a preacher finds as he learns to portray himself more accurately in front of the people is that he finds it raises his credibility because people discover from their pastor that they don't need to be ashamed of sin you know they don't need to hide sin or they're not unique in the ways they sin even their pastor sins in those ways and so you know i think i think it it sends people out into the community saying wow the gospel must be powerful because at my church there's this guy who talks about his problems through a microphone uh, each week and for all of us to hear. And uh, and he seems to be genuinely helped through the very gospel he's, he's preaching. So I think that's the other thing. Excellent. Thanks, Dave, for sharing that with us. For more resources on pastoral calling and pastoral ministry, visit amicalled.com.